You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You are inside the QB factory where our magical development dust makes dreams come true. I'm your host, Michael Kiss. This is brought to you by SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. I'm excited, man. I'm giddy because as always, I have with me quarterback one in our hearts, in our minds is Mark Schofield of Pat's Pulpit, Matt Waldman's RSP, a thousand other touchdown wire, just a, a thousand other places. Mark, brother, it is the beginning of the 2020 NFL season. We have made it. How are you, brother? I'm feeling alive again, my friend. We have made it to actual football games to discuss. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but it's good to be back. And as always, we begin with a historical reference. And since we've yeah. had some time off, I've been doing some reading. And I'm tr- currently trying to fill in a knowledge gap in my historical knowledge base. And that is the War of 1812. And so mm. I'm reading a book right now, 1812, The War That Forged a Nation by Walter Bornman. And he really does a great job of sort of setting the stage for the War of 1812. And a lot of that leads us to Aaron Burr, one of our first vice presidents who literally shot and killed a man in a duel while vice president, which is just mind-blowing. But he goes from serving as vice president, a heartbeat away from the presidency under Thomas Jefferson, to not even getting a vote for vice president in the subsequent election. So Dismayed, he heads west, and his plan is to undermine his former boss, Thomas Jefferson, and prevent him from acquiring more land west of the Louisiana Purchase. And in that process, he takes on a man, James Wilkinson, who's a U.S. Army colonel who has been working for the Spanish and on their payroll for like 13 years as, quote, Agent 13. And they devise this plan to sort of stop Jefferson from moving west. They want to undermine what he's doing. They try to solicit some people. They solicit some wealthy newlyweds, and they have this clandestine meeting on some weird island. They loop in Andrew Jackson down in New Orleans. They loop him in, and Jackson wards Jefferson writes him a letter. But no, even though they try to sort of you know come after Burr for this, he somehow ducks it. And then Wilkinson gives him the double cross. Even though he's trying to help Aaron Burr, he then writes to Jefferson and tells him of everything, tells him of what has happened, and that leads to Burr getting arrested. So we've got a double agent taking down our operation from within. It's almost like Matt Nagy trying to get Ryan Pace fired by Navin Mitchell Trubisky, the starting quarterback of Chicago. I love it because we have to start there. We like, do. Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about a couple of things this show. We're gonna talk about the expectations for Carson Wentz in this season, kind of reset there after having talked about it literally all off season. We're gonna talk about Dwayne Haskins and what he could possibly bring in his sophomore campaign. But we have to. I mean, this is this is quasi Eagles related because it involves Nick Foles and Nick Foles to me. I mean, 2017 just gets weirder and weirder and more of an outlier as Nick Foles' career continues on. 
last year, right? Loses the job to an undrafted free agent, a guy Gardner that we like. Gardner Minshew, baby. Gardner Minshew, right? And then he comes into Chicago and the feeling is he's going to go win that job in training camp from Mitch Trubisky. A lot of the Chicago beats, by the way, said that Nick Foles was better than Trubisky in camp. They A lot of them changed their tune when Mitch Trubisky was named the starter right Curious. after that. But the the unbelievable fact that, that you could possibly, in the, in the year of our Lord 2020, start mediocre Mitch over, I don't know, anybody on the planet and expect him to give you a winning team. Why are we doing this over and over again? Like, I had already kneeled, right? Victory formation, everything. Right. I had already kneeled on the Mitch Trubisky, you know, tweets in the <laughs> offseason. I claimed that W. And here are the Bears just bringing me right back in. Mark, how is this explainable at all? Because it's 2020. Like, that's <laughs> literally the explanation for it. It's because it's the year of our Lord, 2020, and this is what we deserve. I mean, <laughs> it's almost like he won the job by default. Do you think right. if there's full-on minicamp OTA and four preseason games that Mitchell Trubisky is going to hold off Nick Foles? I don't think so. I think this is just a situation where, and like you said, a lot of the Chicago beat writers, um, they were at the practices. They were seeing Mitchell Trubisky not taking the developmental steps you would hope to see from him in, what, year four now? Mm-hmm. Like He's no longer young, inexperienced quarterback. Like, this is his fourth NFL season. This is his third year in this offense. Like It's time to put up or shut up. And the fact that he didn't just like grab that job by the throat and made it close to begin with, that tells you what they've got in Mitchell Trubisky. But we knew what they have in Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> I mean, like you said, you've been banging this mediocre Mitch drum not as long as we've known each other, but for a very long time. Right. Like, what are we doing out here? What are you doing if you're Chicago? I mean, again, we set the over-under at three and a half games. They opened with the Detroit Lions. Is anybody taking the over on that? (laughs) Anybody? I don't even think Mitch is taking the over on that. It's unbelievable to me how long these teams cling on to these quarterbacks. And we talked about in the offseason, Chicago maybe didn't have the necessary resources cap-wise or draft capital-wise to really address the quarterback position. But brother, I mean, if you're Ryan Pace, you got to do something because your your job is on the has to, has to be mean, on the line I mean, they, they panicked. Yeah. The trade for Nick Foles, while he might be a scheme fit, in Matt Nagy's offense was a bit of a panic move. And yes, they redid his contract. But at the moment that trade was made, it was like, okay, this is a good ski pit. But the guys, they're panicking. They're hmm. panicking here. They had enough draft capital to draft guys later in the draft that might have still been improvements, like a Jake Fromm. Like, say what you want about Jake Fromm. But he could walk into that offense and run Matt Nagy's system and probably do it better than Mitchell Trubisky because he would at least get the ball out on time and in rhythm. And yeah, he doesn't scare you more than 25 yards downfield. But that's all you need in this offense. And now you've got Allen Robinson out there dropping the emoji tweets. I, can, can we get Allen Robinson a good quarterback yeah. or a functional quarterback? The poor dude has been playing with like Hackenberg, Bortles, Trubisky. <laughs> I mean, it's a reason you walk into 59 Prime in Indianapolis during the combine. And poor Allen Robinson is just kind of in a corner by himself looking sad. I mean, is, come on. Is Nick Foles just not a good quarterback? The NFC Championship game, unbelievable performance against a historically great third down defense, right? Right. That doesn't make any sense. No. And then the Super Bowl, putting him over 40 points against the Patriots, who then 
shut the Rams dynamic right. offense down a, a year later for what three points? Yep. It doesn't make any sense. Is he just is he just a bad quarterback? A, or is he so high variance that that's he can't it. live with, with the practice? And I mean, the I think practice? that's just it, Mike. He's just so high variance where let's not forget before that playoff run. You know, he had that tough game against the Raiders late that season yeah. where people were just like, okay, this was a Super Bowl contended team. And I don't know if Mitch, if Nick Foles is going to be good enough for them to even win a playoff game now. Yep. Like there were serious questions, not just from Eagles fans, but league wide about where they were with Nick Foles at the helm and that he legitimately just caught fire in those, particularly in those two games and that NFC Championship game. And yes, in the Super Bowl where... They had Patriots fans in the wake of that game wondered if Bill Belichick could handle the modern NFL offenses because all the RPO looks and everything right. that they were doing, they looked slow and unathletic at the second level. And they tried to sort of address that in the next couple of years, you know, going out and getting Jamie Collins back and things like that. But that's what they did to New England. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just he's so high variance that maybe you're not comfortable with him being your starter out of the gate right now because of the you know, the variance in his play, maybe at some point you're going to have to turn to him. hes I don't think that he's a bad quarterback. It's just you don't know what you're going to get sometimes down to down. Let's go with another Philadelphia quarterback. We'll move on from Nick Foles. We'll go to Carson Wentz. We got to talk some Wentz as we enter this 2020 NFL season. And of course, opinions on Wentz, as always, are all over the place. Uh, a lot depends on supporting cast, of course, as with any quarterback. Not making any excuses here, trust me. Uh, offensive line for the Eagles is going to be weird. The wide receivers have to be vastly improved from last year. Hopefully they are. Hopefully they can just stay healthy. That would be a big improvement in and of itself. But as you look at just like Wentz isolating him by himself, what are you expecting from him? Or does he need to get better? Like what's your general vibe of Wentz? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to look at Wentz and avoid the elephant in the room, which is the injury history, mm -hmm. you know? And now I think, you know, when you look at the way he showed up at camp, when you look at the the muscle mass that he's added, there's optimism that, you know, with the fact that he could sort of leave certainly train in offseason and not rehab in the offseason. And understanding, too, he started 16 straight games, and yeah. then the concussion was like a freak thing. Like, his yeah. brain isn't injury-prone. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's his play style that leads him to be injury-prone. As mm -hmm. we've talked about, as you and Ben have talked about on the Kiss and Solak show, you know, it, it's the way he plays the position, but that's why we love him. That's why he is an elite quarterback. It's because he's willing to play deep into the down, through the whistle, unlike other guys in this league. When you're looking at what we expect to see from Carson Wentz, we have to have a couple of unanswerable questions on the table. What are we going to get from this offensive line? Because it's got injuries now. And so you might be, you know, we're hearing that Lane Johnson is kind of iffy right now, like stuff that we're seeing on the timeline. And so there are questions about the offensive line and how well they're going to be able to protect him. This is a quarterback that was pressured at a pretty high rate last year, you know, pressured 241 times. That was third most in the league behind mm -hmm. just Matt Ryan and and Russell Wilson. But at the same time, you're looking at somebody that also posted an adjusted completion percentage when pressured of 65.6, ninth best in the league. He handles pressure well, but it's like the old boxer analogy. Eventually, those body blows get to you and you start to sort of make some mistakes. He did throw five interceptions last year when pressured. So how well are they going to be able to protect him over the course of a 16-game season? That's one issue. The other issue is the people around him, the skill position players. And he did a masterful job last year of getting guys like Greg Ward Jr., you know, and carrying this team to the playoffs down the stretch when they needed to win some games. And he was masterful during that run. 
You know, now what are we going to get from Jalen Rager? You know, his injury is sort of up in the air. And, mm-hmm. You know, the Alshon Jeffrey situation, the Deshaun Jackson, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, maybe he's finally grown into his own. Who knows there? And then the two tight ends. And so there are questions about the supporting cast around it. But ultimately, look, it comes back to Carson Wentz. And this is a huge year for him, I think, because, you know, we're seeing other quarterbacks, younger quarterbacks getting these big deals. He had an extension that he signed a couple of years ago. You know, I don't want to say it's a make or break season for him. It might feel that way because of Jalen Hurts and the draft pick there. But you do want to see Carson once get close to that 2017 form before he got injured. And I know that there's uncertainty and that there's some question marks around him. But if he has a full, healthy 16-game slate with the development from some of the guys around him, this should be a good year for him. But the question becomes, will it be? I feel like that's that's we've kind of had that question. Yeah, and will it be? For, and then we're not sure. While, and we just don't know. And, you know, there's uncertainty for every single team right now because we didn't get training camp games. We didn't get full preseason. We don't know what we're going to get. We don't know what kind of offense this is going to be. Right. You know, we don't really have a sense of that. You know, obviously, Doug Peterson, that sort of West Coast system, but they've talked about how he has talked about, Doug has talked about, we want to be more aggressive. We want to be more downfield. That's what our quarterback wants to be. What did they do this offseason? Marquise Goodwin, even though he opted out, a downfield threat. Hightower, Quez Watkins, even Jalen Rager, downfield threats. We might see a completely different offense. I remember that Seattle game? I was just rewatching that this week to get ready for the show with slant, slant fat, like slant flat, like 15 different times. <laughs> yeah. We might be seeing a totally different offense. And if so, the expectations might change. You know, yeah. we might be thinking that where well, you're wanting sort of this efficient, you know, well oiled machine. Now you might just be thinking, how many times can we hit on throws over the top of the defense? And so we'll know a lot more, obviously, about all 32 teams, including Wentz and the Eagles, come Sunday night. Yeah, there was a point in the season around that Seattle game, around that New England game, where I was saying this is a vertical quarterback and a horizontal offense because yeah. everything was so condensed for them. And I think, and I think you know, a, cu- a couple things really changed this year, at least in my mind. I think they get Wentz on the move more, where he's really fantastic, and that's something that they've talked about. You know, the whole let the Bronco buck type thing. Also, the fact that when the depth was hit, right? So there's so many questions at wide receiver right now, but when the depth was hit last year, they had no speed to back it up. Even if it wasn't, you know, like a quality starter or whatever, they didn't have anybody that could threaten downfield. And that's why that offense condensed like that. I think if they do see injuries or if Deshaun Jackson goes down or maybe the the injury for Rager lingers a little bit or re-injures it, if Alshon Jeffrey's not available until, you know, October, which is reasonable considering the type of injury that he had, in the average recovery time, I think at the very least still, you've got enough speed on the offense to keep things opened up, and that'll help you work the intermediate areas of the field to those tight ends and whatnot right. a little bit more. So I do expect some changes from this offense. We'll see exactly what that is against Washington. Uh, Mark, any any final words on Wentz, or do you want to yeah, move I on mean, to Haskins? I, I think it's important to build off that point. The old phrase, speed kills, whatever. When you're running sort of that West Coast system where everything has to be timed perfectly and precise, if you don't have your top receiving targets out there, if you've got guys that were backups or a bit more unfamiliar and don't have the body of work and the reps you know, to them, it's going to make the timing and the rhythm. It's going to throw everything off. It's going to be tougher to execute that. And so that you're forced even to scale down what you're doing into slant flat 15 times a game. But if you've got guys that can burn, you know, you don't have to be as precise on a go route. 
Right. You just got to get downfield and get under yeah. the football. It's not like running the, like you know the dragon slant route where you've got to have three steps and cut it at the right time and cut it at the right angle. And if that stuff is off, the whole, the whole play is going to be off. And so not that the offense might be easier if they get vertical, but it might be more familiar for the guys that are going to be running those routes. And it might be, in a sense, a little bit easier for them to execute their part of the bargain and doesn't have to be timed up so precisely. It's just get down there and get open, man. Yeah. Four verts is simple. We'll see if it works. Yeah. Look, there's a reason my, my son calls it every time he plays Madden and he's nine. <laughs> right. It's because it works, man. Exactly. Just throw the, just just hold down D, tap it, a little touch pass. You're good. Doug Peterson, are you listening, bud? There's yeah. your advice. Four it sounds minutes. like it sounds like he's listening to at least the Kiss and Solak show with <laughs> what you were saying last year about this offense and what they did this offseason. Kiss and Solak show, BGN Radio. Gotta listen to it all here on BGN. When we come back, we're gonna talk some Dwayne Haskins every week. So just in case you're a new listener, you haven't been around for a while, you forgot how it works. Every week, what we do is a performance review for Carson Wentz. Obviously, this was a preview because it's before week one. And then we preview the upcoming enemy opponent. So that's going to be Dwayne Haskins of the Washington football team. We'll talk about his game, what he can bring to the table in this week one showdown. That's coming up next here on the QB Factory. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. And we're back here on the QB Factory, Episode 9, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with QB1 in our hearts and our minds, Mark Schofield. Mark, 
Dwayne Haskins. So, okay, second-year quarterback. Let, let's just talk about some some accuracy metrics that I was looking at with with Haskins here, and I, I I really don't need to use these to see that he's got like a severe scattershot element to his game. I think it sprouts from some wonky mechanics. I'll ask you about that, but indulge me here for a second. This is from the PFF QB Annual 2020. There are 35 total quarterbacks that Haskins is being judged against here. On target percentage, 35th. Accuracy percentage, 35th. Accuracy plus percentage, 32nd. Catchable inaccurate percentage, 35th. I'll remind you again, this is out of 35. Deep passing adjusted completion percentage, tied for 33rd. Only Josh Allen was worse, LOL. (laughs) Uncatchable percentage, 31st. And uh, like for for this plague of inaccuracy to be cured, which like if you're not an accurate quarterback in the NFL, you're just not gonna work out. And I and I, I want to keep in mind, I don't really put a whole lot of stock in rookie, you know, first year performances and how they carry over and everything like that. I try not to overreact, but he's so inaccurate. What needs to be different from Haskins in 2020 to fix that? Well, I mean, there are sort of mechanical inconsistencies in his motion that date back to his time at Ohio State, where there was a lower body and upper body inconsistency in the throwing chain that threw off his release point and led to some inaccuracy issues, even though he had, you know, I believe a relatively decent completion percentage at Ohio State. People need to remember, divorce yourself from the idea of accuracy equals completion percentage. Like, you can complete 70% of your passes, but if the receivers have to make adjustments to make the catches... Like that's not good ball placement. That's not accuracy. You know, yeah. so there's a mechanical It's different too when you're issue. throwing mesh 20 times a game. Right. When you throw mesh, mesh it and a couple of, <laughs> you know, four vert concepts, sometimes out of three by one with a bender, that's different when you try to throw the NFL concepts that he was asked to throw last year. So, you know, I there's mechanical stuff. There's schematic stuff here at play. And there's also the mental component because wh- what I saw from Haskins a lot last year was like every rookie, like every young quarterback, the game was just too fast for him. And he wasn't there mentally yet, you know, and there were times when the ball comes out late. And if the ball comes out late and the throwing window is a half a yard as opposed to three yards, which it would be if you got the ball out on time and in rhythm, that's going to make it tougher to complete. And you have to be that much more precise with your throw. And so you can all see how this is like a cyclical snowball of suck. And that's what it was last year for Washington and Haskins. The thing to remember with him, though, he did get better as the year went on. Right. I was going to ask, did you feel like that process sped up or the how, how did he The process did speed up. Like you okay. look at where he was, say, those last three games of the year, you know, against Green Bay, which was his third to final game, 16 to 27, just 59% completion percentage, touchdown out a pick. Then the next week against the Eagles in a game which everybody remembers, you really? know, we remember yeah. it for the, you know, once to Sanders and all that stuff that happened in that game. He was 19 of 28. Two touchdowns, no picks, 261, arguably his best game of the year. And then in week 16, he's 12 of 15 for 133 and two touchdowns against the Giants before he has an ankle injury that knocks out him out of that game and ends the season. That was week 16. The Eagles game was week 15. So he was getting better. The game was slowing down for him. You look at that Packers game that sort of started this three-game run. He's throwing on time. He's making anticipation throws. So it was coming together. You know, but... That was a a two and a half game stretch, basically. Can that carry over to this year? That's the huge question from him. You know, I I think we've seen some signs and clips and zooms and things like that of him being more open to learning. 
You know, there was a great clip that made it to Twitter the other day where he threw a pick in the red zone where he missed red cover two. And he went to Alex Smith to talk about it. Then he went to Ronald Darby, who picked him to talk about it. He went to Rod Rivera to figure out what he did wrong. And so I think there's a sign of the maturation process. And I think Alex Smith being back is going to have a beneficial effect on him because we saw what Smith did for Mahomes. You know, Mahomes has credited his start in the NFL to what Alex Smith did in taking him under his win. Smith didn't go the Joe Flacco route and sort of ignore him and kind of pout whenever Lamar Jackson. He went the Josh McCown route, right? Yeah, he went the Josh McCown route. Like, you know, picked him up in the morning, gave him coffee. Made him, you know, sit in with him when he watched film. Showed him how to be a pro. And Smith is doing the same thing for Dwayne Haskins right now. So I think you can be optimistic if you're a Washington football team fan that Dwayne Haskins is going to take a step forward. The question is, does he have enough around him to take that step forward? You know, McLaurin is nice. I like Sims, the other wide receiver. I think they've got some intriguing pieces. But this is still a team that it's a couple of years away. And will we see them give Haskins a third year? Or if they finish, you know, two and fourteen, is it Justin Fields next year? Because it's not Rivera's quarterback, and, no. I do, and I do want to make it clear. Like when it sounds like I'm crapping on Haskins a little bit, like I fully understand he had a really good game against the Eagles last year. Hopefully, yeah. the Eagles' defense has improved and can and can stop that a little bit, and and it's not such a weird outlier for him. But I do think Haskins was improved, and when you talk about what he has around him, I agree with the issue with the weapons. I love McLaurin, but yeah. outside of that kind of unproven. I do think Sims is like a sneaky quality starter type of guy. I like his game. And then you look at the offensive line, and I think that's going to be a problem for him. And part of it is because of the line, part of it is because of Haskins and stuff that he needs to clean up. Haskins had the highest percentage of pressure dropbacks turned into sacks. So every every three times he was pressured, one of them was a sack. And his sack rate overall was twice as high as Case Keenum in the same offense. So now you're going from one quarterback to the next. And it's twice as high as Keenum. And Keenum is known to hold on to the ball a little bit as well. So he's got to clean those issues up. What do you see from him from like a pocket management, pocket presence standpoint where he was bad, where he can improve, things like that? Well, I mean, one of the problems with Dwayne Haskins, and it's something that sort of got called into focus in the past couple of days, you know, with the Josh Rosen move. You know, we also saw a favorite of this show, Brett Rippin. He gets cut. (laughs) <laughs> you need to be athletic at the quarterback position in today's NFL. Like yeah. the throwback battleship pocket present type guys that can't get out of their own way. You can't really function in this league as that kind of QB because the speed of this game, the speed of the guys on the other side of the ball, you have to be able to move. You have to be able to get out of the pocket. You have to be athletic to be successful at this position right now. I think that's becoming a truism with more with each successive draft class. I mean, look at the guys that are having success right now. The Mahomeses and the Murrays and the guys that can move and be athletic and use their legs to create and extend. Guys like Rosen and Rippin and perhaps even Haskins are becoming dinosaurs in this game. And so I don't know if he has the athleticism to function in the league right now. Because he's just a stationary mobile type quarterback. He's a Roethlisberger type that can place, that can stand tall and play strong, but it doesn't translate well. You're talking about a guy that had an adjusting completion percentage of 56.5 when pressured. That was 54th in the league among quarterbacks that had 20% of their team snaps, which is the way to get him into this bin because he didn't play, you know, 50% of their snaps. Right. And so that's not great. When you're behind Jeff Driscoll, when you're behind Matt Moore, when you're behind Andy Dalton, when you're behind Matt Barkley and Chase Daniel in this category, it's not great company. He was behind Duck Devlin Hodges. <laughs> so 
I don't know if that's a club he has in the back. You know, can he get there with timing and anticipation and rhythm and just sort of avoiding pressure by getting the ball out quicker in the Tom Brady route? Perhaps. But it's not like Brady was great under pressure last year either. You know, Brady under pressure, is it age or is it just a function of the speed on the other side of the ball? I don't know. But the game is so fast right now that you have to have that athleticism. And that's a huge question mark for Haskins. So we are so used to, over the years, watching this Washington team run a Jay Gruden offense. How does it change? What 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 is like aesthetically, what does it look like when new offensive coordinator Scott Turner comes to town and starts to rework this offense in his image with, with Ron, Her- Ron Rivera more, you know, catering to the defensive side probably? What, is it, what does it look like now as opposed to before? I mean, I think conceptually there's going to be some similarity. There's going to be some carryover. I mean, we have been amazed in the run of this show about Gruden's aggressiveness downfield and in the vertical passing game. Yeah. And if you look at Washington last year before Gruden got fired, you know, when they had Keenum under center, even though they had questions at the skill position, they were still pretty close to hitting on some big plays downfield. It was just mm. a step there, a step here, you know, where they were missing on stuff. And I think Turner has sort of some of those roots in the downfield Coriel passing game. I think it's going to be similar. You know, I think they will have more of the touchdown checkdown mentality, you know, given Rivera's influence on it defensive-minded approach, you can look at this Washington team and think this is a team that if they're going to win games, it's going to be on the strength of their defense, particularly the defensive front. you got like five, I think, former first-round picks up really front. front. Yeah. I mean, they're really good up front. I mean, if they can win games, it's going to be those 17-14 rock fights. Yeah, and that, that one explosive play may be the big difference It might be the yeah. big difference for them. And if you can ingrain into Haskins' mind, look, punting is okay. Like, right. I know that's going to drive <laughs> analytics Twitter's nuts, but punting might be a win. You know, field goals, participation trophies with points, that might be a win for them when you've got this defensive front. And I know it goes against everything we think about the game right now, but that might be how they have to win games. And so if Haskins can just learn touchdown, check down, punt on fourth down if you have to, punt on third down, who cares? Play Newt Rockney style, get your defense back on the field. That's how you're going to win games. That's interesting, uh, a way to look at it, because, yeah, some teams do, in fact, have to win like that, and Washington just might be one of them. Mark, that is going to do it for the first uh, preview edition of the 2020 NFL season for the QB Factory. Any last words for the gentle listeners before we get out of here? It, it felt good. It felt good to be back. Feels home again. It's good to get on the microphone with you, my friend. Um, For the gentle listeners, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Also, do check out the new NFL show hosted by our boy here, Michael yeah. Kist. Yeah, Whoop it up in the show. world. Get a <laughs> national show. How's it feel? Oh, man, it's great. We, we got the, uh, the the Monday Football Monday show with me, RJ Ochoa, Pete Sweeney, and then uh, also, to, to well, as we're recording this today, on Wednesday, every Wednesday, you're getting me and Kyle Posey breaking down film, talking even more quarterbacks, and I, I'm really excited just to talk, and I, I love covering the Eagles. I'm really excited to talk about teams other than the Eagles and flex a little uh, NFL knowledge on the people on the, the old listeners. brain ball <laughs> keep it healthy and keep it healthy and sure on yeah but i appreciate the uh the shout out on that so yeah make sure you go subscribe to that keep it here at bgn we're gonna have you all season long go dominate have yourselves a day G-N. 
Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.